Well, hello, what's up, New York Giants fans? Back at it with another live stream of Big Blue Avenue here, episode three of season three. My name is Tom Scavetta, joined alongside Hank and Dichter and Sam Cardona. Hank and Sam, how are you both doing tonight? Feeling good. Feeling really good. That that intro is really like every time I see it, I get more excited every time. It's great. Oh, new team, new clips. I mean, yeah. it's it's so fitting, isn't it? And how does it feel to be starting a show 2-0? I mean, Oof. in all the years, well, I mean, it's only been three years, but this is the first time we've really even had that feeling. But, you know, obviously the game was a little too close for comfort, but you know what? It doesn't matter. A win is a win is a win. We need to change the culture, and wins are the way to go. And Sam, I feel like that intro video has like a winning vibe to it. I don't know why, but it's got that little hustle, that resilience mm-hmm. type of vibe. But folks, if you want to catch us uh, live on all of our social media, there it is. Our shameless plugs there, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Big Blue Avenue. This is a sub show of the Read Preview Network. And tonight's show is sponsored by BetUS. You can sign up with our promo code below there at join125. Get a 125% sign-up bonus. Place all your bets on the go, anywhere, anytime, straight from your mobile device. Once again, that is BetUS, America's number one favorite sports book, where the game begins. And also, figuring out these algorithms with how Facebook works now. Make sure to like the show on Facebook. It helps with the viewership. It helps with the engagement. So we really appreciate that, and we'll shout you out. So thank you all so much. So I'll take that down and we'll briefly, Sam, I know Hank and I did our weekly recap video Monday on the Big Blue Avenue YouTube channel, but I want to get to you here, 2-0. How are you feeling? And you actually brought up a fun fact for us earlier today about Daniel Jones. So, you know, I'm, I've been very impressed with this Giants team, but I've been more impressed about us as content creators, like what we're doing, like thinking like, wow, this is the first time we're producing shows that – this team is above 500 this early in the season. Definitely, definitely. And yeah, the, the fun fact is today, three years ago, I believe was Daniel Jones's debut and first win for the New York Giants, which was such an exciting time for us. I mean, we, I think we had a very different mindset on Daniel Jones after that first game. We were like, yeah, we're winning every game with Daniel Jones. Um but yeah, it feels amazing to be 2-0. I mean, even watching, I ended up having to watch that the end of this game at the airport at JFK International. And I was sitting at a bar with a bunch of people. There was a girl next to me wearing a Strahan jersey. And it was like this community of people just like so amped about a team. And, and it hasn't been like that for such a long time. So I'm really stoked that we were able to start this well, and I'm um, excited to go into week three back at home, prime time, Cowboys. It's it's going to be great, and I'm excited to talk about it. The whiteout, and we're going to talk about the whiteout. That's why I'm wearing white tonight, because obviously I'm not going to the game. Um, Hank has a little bit of white in there, um, but it's all right. <laughs> there was no memo, so uh, no, I, I, I wanted to mix it up and go with a little bit of blue, but nevertheless, go and throw back as pretty much as usual with most majors that were on the show. Yeah, there you go. I mean, biggest takeaways for me, 2-0, first time in six years. Um, Kenny Galladay getting out snapped by David Sills, which, Sam, I don't know if you have an opinion on that. I think Hank and I both agreed that David Sills earned those snaps. He deserved them. Uh, It's unfortunate for Galladay, but, I mean, the connection was there. Outside of him running 
sideways on that last catch of the first half, he was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's, yeah, something that I saw in this game specifically was all of these lower-named guys, you know, David Sills, Tanner Hudson, Richie James. Who, Richie James is like outstanding and like always exactly where he needs to be especially in the middle of the field when Daniel Jones can just shoot it right over the defenders and he seems to always be there and he's very reliable so a lot of these like lesser named guys I mean we've been talking about Kenny Galladay hasn't done anything for our team yet Kadarius Tony first round pick hasn't done a lot for this team yet if these are the guys that are going to make the plays let them do it. Like, you know, they, they have the opportunity to make themselves even better and to be maybe the bigger named guys on the team. But if this is what's going to get us down the field to get points on the board, which, you know, we did win this game, but thanks to Graham, honestly, Graham scored most of the points on the board from this week. So we still need to get down the field. We still need to get into the end zone, something we struggled with so much last year. And if these are the guys that are going to do it, like let's use them. Let's utilize them to the best of our ability because that's how we're going to win ballgames. And, Hank, let me ask you this. Um, to piggyback off of Sam's point on Richie James, mm-hmm. did you know that Richie James leads the Giants in receptions and receiving yards through two weeks into the season? Yes, I actually did know that. And you know what I think that really goes to show you? It doesn't matter how much you're getting paid. It doesn't really matter how much experience you have. If you want to play and are willing to fight, you're going to get an opportunity to have a good catch. And, yes, that was an indirect shot at Kenny Galladay, if you could read between the lines. (laughs) We got our first comment of the evening. It's from Robert Rose, Hank, Dr. Rose. Rose. How's it going? And go Aaron Judge. He's shooting for number 61 tonight. So good luck, Yankees fans. I'm not a Yankees fan. I'm that one oddball that is a Giants and Mets fan. But, um, (laughs) you know, I will root for the Yankees uh, in this sense. So best of luck to you folks tonight. Uh, Hope Aaron Judge does it. Chasing victory. Hank, is there anybody on the defensive side of the ball um, that really stuck out to you as – we like to call the Giants defense now, Sam, Wink's Funhouse. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Honestly, right now, I would have to say Dexter Lawrence, both games, he has been consistent in putting pressure on the quarterback. And he also had that big stop on Christian McCaffrey, too. So I'm definitely going to have to go with the longest tenured member of the Giants, but I mean, to be honest with you, he's really not the only one. There are other guys on the squad who, if you really look at the defense, you wouldn't really think, oh, they, they're guys that would be on an NFL roster, but that really goes to show you the Giants have a much better coaching staff than in years past, and that can do a whole world of difference as we're seeing so early in the season. I agree. I was very impressed with Julian Love. Uh had that nice uh, sack on that Blitzkrieg type of play. Dane Belton had a fumble recovery on his first NFL snap. He was outstanding. And Wink brings the pressure. The Giants' blitz rate is insane, and they have the best third-down defense in the NFL two weeks into the season. I think the, the biggest takeaways for me were 2-0. Barkley leads the league in rushing through two weeks, and the Giants have the best third-down defense in the entire NFL. One other guy I want to mention, Ocean Zimenez. Mm -hmm. This is the guy who 
I don't think 90% of the Giants fan base, if if I'm even being nice at all, thought he was still going to be on this roster. He has a big sack during the game, too. I wanted him gone come training camp. I, I think we all were alignment on that. But once he saw how he fit into this scheme, shout out Joe Shane, shout out Brian Dable, shout out Wink Martindale, and one other guy I'm going to mention, Jihad Ward. Guy's a stud. Granted, he was a step ahead of everybody else out there on the field because he's played in this defense before. He's no stranger to it. Shout out to our uh, review and preview buddy, Garth Michael Patrick. What is up, ladies and gents? How is everyone doing tonight? Doing great, Um, Garth. Excellent. Feels nice. It feels real nice, Garth, and uh, shout out, Garth. If you don't know who Garth is, folks, and you're watching, Garth is the co-host of our new hockey show, Puckin' Around. And um, speaking of uh, Puckin' Around, we're going to go around to the other side of the world with David Yates. Dave! David! (laughs) It's been a long time. How about them Giants? Looking forward to having the two edge guys back in Aziz Ojolari and Kevon Thibodeau. Yes, it looks like both of them are moving towards playing on Monday night. Uh, I think having the extra day helps. And, David, congratulations to you. This is your first comment on a Big Blue Avenue show where the Giants have a winning record. Yay! Good job, David. (laughs) I can't believe we're celebrating something so comical as that. Um, Another comment from Johnny Montalbano from Merle Inlet. Marshwalk can't say enough great things about the start of the season. Shout out Johnny Montalbano, co-hosted Review and Preview with me last night from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Uh, go check out Dead Dog if you haven't, folks. If you want to go to Myrtle Beach one day, fun place. I was there this summer, so shout out Johnny Montalbano. Um, but yeah, moving on from Wings Funhouse, let's get to our New York Giants Player of the Week and. As always, Sam does a great job with these graphics. Uh, this week, I think it was pretty automatic, no pun intended, who we were going to pick as our player of the week. And it's Graham Gano. Yep. Graham Gano is our player of the week. Sam, I'll let you take it away here as to why we chose Graham Gano. Yeah. So uh, for the second week in a row, we are choosing um, another player who the NFC chose as a player of the week. Uh, This week is special teams player of the week, Graham Gano. I mean, like I said before, Graham Gano is the reason we won this game. He scored 13 out of the 19 points that were on the board, four field goals, starting with a 36, then a 33, a 51, and then a game winning 56 yard field goal. And just that that one had me on on a little bit of edge there that 56 yarder but it was down the middle split the posts incredible and that specific field goal is tied for the second longest in Giants history right behind Aldrick Rojas Rosas oh my gosh um for a 57 yardage uh, versus Chicago back in 2018 um, he's the only player in Giants history to kick two 50-plus yard field goals in the fourth quarter or overtime. That's in one game. And like I said, special teams player of the week, Graham Gano. I mean, just automatic. Wonderful. Across the entire NFC, I mean, this guy's legit. Thank you very much for sharing that, Sam. Hank, mm-hmm. your thoughts on Graham Gano? I mean, this guy is Mr. Automatic and 
Sam, you've actually been giving two fun facts that I didn't realize. And the first one, I completely didn't think about when I woke up today, the Daniel Jones debut slash win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then Mm -hmm. the second one, I didn't even realize that that was the case. I would have thought maybe Lawrence Tynes or somebody like, uh, say, a Raul Allegra or Matt Barr could have had 50-plus. But then again, when you look at Giants kickers, I don't think we've really – had a kicker who can hit like 50 plus yard field goals, like nothing the way Graham Gano has, like at least in the history, I, I could very well be wrong. So that's definitely something that's pr- pretty cool, especially when you consider the circumstances in which both of those field goals were kicked. So honestly, in my opinion, I don't, I think this was really a no doubter for play, player of the week. Although with that being said, there are plenty of defensive players who you can who you can say are, should be honorable mentions as well. Dexter Lawrence is my honorable mention. Yes, um, I would agree with that. The play he made on McCaffrey on that third and four. I mean, I'm sorry. Dexter Lawrence is 340 pounds. There's no way he should be making that play, but he does. Um, and he's going to have to step up more than ever this week with likely no Leo. It's a shame. You know, Aziz and Kayvon are on the uh, bridge of coming back. And now Leonard Williams goes down. But the good news about that is that it's not a long-term issue. Mm. Apparently, it's day by day. Coach Dable mentioned that Big Cat is a very fast healer. And we all know that the last two years, as bad as this team has been, Leonard Williams has constantly been on the football field. He hasn't really missed a game, if you think about it. Um, he played through a lot of pain during the second half of that season that we'd like to try to block out of our memory last year. That last season, yeah. But – um we have some more stuff as obviously Giants coming off that 1916 went home against Carolina. They have a lot of more work to do. I think there's a lot to clean up on the offensive side of the ball, but the defense is legit. Through two weeks, it's a top 10 defense, which is outstanding. Granted, the competition has not uh, been great. A couple more comments here before we start highlighting week three's game. David Yates says it's a great day. Um, and my buddy Anthony from work uh, says Gano is the GOAT. Anthony was at the game on Sunday. And when Carter Coughlin popped that ball out of uh, Chuba Hubbard's hands, I guarantee you he was going nuts. <laughs> oh, I bet him and probably so many other people. McKinney and Love. Both of them, yeah. Uh, each had a pass deflection, I think, had a pass breakup. They were, like, swatting passes down at the line. They're both incredible. I love X. He's a great, talented player. Um, I will say this. <laughs> the previous regime did have a decent eye for drafting talent. The yeah. problem was they overestimated the talent that they had. Hmm. And, you know, I think once that previous regime brought in a certain head coach and his coaching staff, the drafting got a little bit better, but it wasn't good enough to make this a winning team, in my opinion. But – McKinney and Love were both draft picks of that regime, which is why I bring it up. And I think both of them should be Giants uh, long-term. I love Julian Love. He is on a contract year. Granted why he's probably falling out once that new deal. But we're on to week three, and I'm pumped. We're playing the Dallas Cowboys on Monday Night Football, a whiteout. See, Sam and I have white on tonight. Um, Sorry, Hank. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I – I'm embarrassed because I literally have two color rush jerseys of my own. I wasn't thinking. I just literally pulled out the first 
one of the first throwbacks. Next yeah. week, we'll send out a memo. We'll we'll communicate the yeah. wardrobe. To next be week. fair, I haven't worn this one yet. You gotta have like group meetings or something. But <laughs> anyway, um, a familiar face comes back. Jalen Smith, who is a former Cowboy, is also a former Giant. Now a second stint with the Giants, had 12 tackles and four games to end the year last year for New York. Um, not something I remember much because I wasn't really interested in what Jalen Smith did in the last four games or what anybody did in those last four games. Uh, and then the Giants also worked out. I was a little surprised they didn't sign him. Joe Schobert, uh, former Cleveland Brown and Pittsburgh Steeler and Jacksonville Jaguar linebacker who tied for the league lead in tackles in 2017, um, especially due to the fact now that people are starting to realize that Tate Crowder and Austin Calitro are not cutting it um, as the starting linebackers on this roster. So um, I don't know if either of you have any thoughts on that. If you think Jalen Smith could contribute like he did last year to an extent, um, seems like he could be a decent fit. I don't really have much thoughts on it because we didn't see him much last year. Eh, give or take, you know, mm. is what it is. But I will say, Kayvon and Aziz coming back is huge. Uh, so they're ramping up their workload. And Ojalari mentioned to Paul Schwartz today he is going to play Monday night. I'm going to say he's expected to play. I'm not saying he's going to. I'm saying he's likely to. And if Aziz is likely to play, then Kayvon is more than likely going to play because Kayvon's ahead of Aziz in the recovery process. Mm-hmm. So... Do both of you agree that you think both of them are going to play? Or is there maybe one guy who you think is ahead of another and they should wait until week four? I think both are just about ready to go. This is a divisional game that you have to win. And I think with Leonard Williams being out, the sense of urgency to bring both of them back this week has upticked substantially. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree, especially with just the way that the the stadium was last week, like the, the how much of a noise factor it was. Imagine – Kayvon coming out onto the field next week in prime time, Monday night football, like the crowd's going to go insane. And like, that's just going to help even more. So I think that they're both going to, going to come back and it's going to be extremely beneficial to us. Oh my gosh. That's going to be like, it's going to be like that shot shot in the arm. And you know what Kayvon Thibodeau's debut is going to feel like? It's going to feel like opening that present you got for Christmas that you had to wait a few days for. Just <laughs> parents told you, oh, yeah. <laughs> the one that got like lost in the mail a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, something like that. <laughs> I love that. That's too funny. Um, <laughs> you know, Kadarius Tony returned to practice today. I don't know what to make of him anymore. Um, I'm not going to say anything bad because I don't want to get canceled on his Instagram story. Like other content creators have been, um, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Fireside. Uh, <laughs> we do love you guys, though. You guys are great content creators. Um, and now Dave brings up a good comment. This was actually our next point. Um, Kenny Galladay was asked this week on a potential trade requ- request from a reporter, and he just said, we'll see. Hmm. David says, what's your take on the Galladay situation? $17 million a year is a lot for a guy who is only used to only to be used in the right situational game plan. Hank, I'll start with you on this one. I mean, what's your thought process about this? He's stuck here for the rest of the season, at least. He he definitely is. There's nothing Joe Shane can do to move this guy, especially if he's not even playing on the football field. 
who is going to want this contract? Nobody with any set of functioning brain cells. That's the answer <laughs> to your question. And to alter a quote that Johnny and I often use on a certain game on show you might have heard on from the Empty the Bench Sports Network, good old Dave Gettleman <laughs> with that contract. So, yeah, that's pretty much what I have to say. And look, I have to give props to Brian Dable for the way he's pretty much handled the whole thing. He's sticking to his guns. He's not handling him with kib gloves like maybe a few other regimes might have in the past. He's saying, nope, you're only going to play if, like, you know, you really want to play. And, and that's the way he should. And I completely respect and applaud him for that because, like, like I said, we've had so many players on this team in years past with, like, bad attitudes and we've pretty much just been letting those attitudes fester for all those years. And it explains why it's so great that you're seeing guys such as Richie James and uh, Mm -hmm. uh, David Sills getting opportunities when the situation calls for it. So yeah, I don't, I don't think you're going to be seeing much from him this season if everything continues to be the case. And unless somehow he can find a way to, be a bit motivated, which I doubt because from what it from what I understand, a lot of Lions fans in years past have been complaining about this guy's effort, but that's neither here nor there. I think hopefully Shane can find a way to move him, but all I can say is good luck. Thank you. Uh thanks gentlemen for leaving <laughs> for st- for sticking him on this roster. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. He <laughs> just said it best. Yeah. Yeah, you said it all, Hank. You basically said it all. I mean, the the way that Dable was able to kind of make this a, a beneficial thing that he's like, good, I'm glad he's mad. I'm glad it'll put some fire under him. It'll make him want to play better and this and that. But, you know, at this point, what has Kenny done for us? Literally nothing. He hasn't even scored a touchdown for us yet. So if, you know, if the end of the season, if we're using people, like we said earlier, um, that you know, we get the job done and Kenny doesn't do anything for the rest of the season. And then he heads out. I'm all right with that. Bye-bye. Sayonara. Um, yeah. I mean, look, we're fine with our, Yeah. if that means we could bring Sterling Shepard back next year. True. Great. I'm fine with Sterling Shepard. I'm fine with David Sills, Kadarius, Tony, Wandell, Rob. I'm fine with that. You don't need superstar receivers to win Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. What you do need though, Nowadays, on top of a great defense, is a really good quarterback. Dr. Rose is not sold yes. on DJ. What are your thoughts, Hank? I'll let you take this one. I'm very opinionated about DJ. So is, I mean, we all are. What are you thinking? I'm like that person who's like, you know, keeps trying to, who's kind of in denial. Because like you, you guys know I've been like rooting for and supporting Daniel Jones from day one. Now, how I felt about when they draft him is is another matter entirely, but that's neither here nor there. I think it's frustrating because, as you and I have said probably countless times, whether it be on this show or whether it be in actual conversations with Giant fans, like the problems are simply this. Number one, he's got the talent, but the problem is you don't see what he can do on a consistent basis for every great drive he had, like the one where he had that beautiful touchdown pass to Daniel Bellinger, and that and that was really great mm-hmm. to watch. 
you'll have maddeningly, fr maddeningly frustrating drives where he'll have that turnover that, you know, ends up being a game changer. And it's, it's really frustrating. And if you're still questioning it, like at certain points and you're not a hundred percent sure, then slowly you start to realize maybe we need to rethink where our eyes are on the franchise quarterback. And, you know, the other thing that I didn't even get to, that's my real concern is the injuries and you can ask Cowboy fans and they'll tell you the same thing about Dak Prescott. Mm -hmm. I would, I would even argue that Daniel Jones has the potential. I, you know, he, I don't know if he's going to be the next Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Josh Allen. Like, you know, I don't know if I can put I can't put him up on that tier, but think about people like Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, like surrounded by good talent fairly good quarterback can get mm -hmm. the job done. I mean, like those guys have this, like, I mean, Tannehill went from the dolphins to the Titans and all of a sudden he's has this newfound respect for being this amazing quarterback. He just has the good, the good offense. Now, if we can get that for Daniel Jones, you could argue that that's the type of guy he could be. He could be just a reliable, averagely good quarterback. And those guys are winning games and they're doing well. And, you know, Tom, I know that you're, uh, you know, your second team is the Vikings and Kirk Cousins is, you know, doing what needs to be done for the Vikings. But, you know, we can't put him on this high pedestal and I want him to get there. But I still need to see the consistency that we just haven't seen, especially in the last three years. I'd throw Jimmy G in that list, by the way. Sure. Yeah. I sure. want to say this too. Um, Jones is the more athletic version of all those guys you just mentioned. Absolutely. Yeah. He could um, take off. We saw him too. He got another first down in this game. And Jones made, in my opinion, the game-winning play um, that sealed the ice where Jones could have threw it down the field to David Sills, who was open on a play-action bootleg. Instead, he cradles the ball, he fakes out Ioannidis, and he runs up the field to take it himself. People mm -hmm. are, again, he was turnover-free in this game against the Carolina Panthers, who I will argue have a better pass rush than the Tennessee Titans. So the thing is, yeah, the line has to get it together, but so does Jones. But at the end of the day, Jones has made winning plays for us the last two weeks, hasn't ha haven't we? We are 2-0. and mm -hmm. If we were 0-2, I feel like the critics on Daniel Jones are a lot more. But Jones has made winning plays for this football team. The mm -hmm. bomb to Shepard. He throws that pick in the, in the end zone week one. He comes back and throws a touchdown to Chris Myrick. Um, the drive this week, Carolina ties the game. He's throwing darts to guys like Richie James and Tanner Hudson and Daniel Bellinger, guys who you have never heard of. I got to say, I think I'm in love with Daniel Bellinger. So we're just oh, going to toss that out yeah. there to the world. <laughs> I think I love him. He, he's, I mean, he's a good he can't guy. be any more inconsistent than the previous tight end. We had, yeah, exactly. So I, I think I like him for that reason. I think I just have a thing for Giants tight ends, right? I just love them. <laughs> with with one exception. With that, yes. E -E. Stone hands. Yeah. That's who I was taking a shot oh, at. Yeah. This is not shocking for those of you who are curious. It, it does say 46 on here. Yeah. Tom, um, you probably have an idea as to which one this is. Harry Carson. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, yeah. David says Kenny to the Browns. I don't know. They just gave Watson a lot of money. But, but before we bring on our guest, I just want to say that the Monday Night Football game this Monday night, Cowboys one and one, Giants two and zero. Oh. It will be a wide out. Uh, the Giants have lost ten straight primetime games dating back to 2018, but there's a little more um, history 
that's going on Monday night, Hank, that I know you wanted to mention. Yes, and that's the induction of, I believe it is, I want to say it's six people into the Ring of Honor. And as, oh, seven, sorry. I, I was thinking of the players because Ronnie Barnes is in that group too, the longtime head athletic trainer for the New York Giants, who very well might be the Giants version of Gene Monahan. If you're a Yankee fan, you probably know who I'm talking about. But yeah, that's really cool. Jimmy Patton and Kyle Rote are two great Giants who were both on the 1956 NFL championship team. Jimmy Patton was probably one of the best members of the Giants secondary in their history that really doesn't get top enough, talked about enough. Spent his entire 12-year career with the Giants. Unfortunately, he passed away really young in a car accident in 1972. And then Kyle Rote was was a flanker during those years. Back then, you would have players who would be both a running back and a wide receiver. And Kyle Rote was one of the more talented members of the Giants. Unfortunately, he had injuries that kind of ended his career earlier. But really talented and a guy whose name still pretty much appears in the top 10 for Giants record holders in terms of like wide receiver numbers. So he's another underrated guy who really doesn't get talked about enough, at least these days. And then obviously the next three, all members, all running backs who were part of Super Bowl champions, Joe Morris was a key member in the 86 squad. And then you had OJ Anderson, whose career seemed to have end the ending when he came to the giants in 86. But then ironically, it was Joe Morris's injury that kind of paved the way for, O.J. Anderson to, you know, come back and have that little renaissance. And then O.J., sure enough, he achieved his dream. He he won the Super Bowl MVP in while playing the Super Bowl in his home state of Florida, if you remember, in the America's DM documentary. So that was pretty cool. And then you had Rodney Hampton, who was a rookie on that Super Bowl team. Unfortunately, he didn't really get to play much that season. But from 91 through 95, he consistently had thousand yard seasons, but unfortunately also didn't have much of a long career because of injuries. And last but not least, Leonard Marshall, one of the best defensive ends in Giants history, who obviously is best known for that hit on Joe Montana that pretty much prevented the 49ers from becoming the first ever three feet. But nonetheless, he was one of the pillars on a very strong Giants defensive squad and Quite frankly, this is a guy who I'm surprised didn't only just now is getting this recognition. But nonetheless, all seven members, very well-deserving. And I love when the Giants add more names to that ring of honor because it's good to really learn your history if you go to Giant games. Well said, Hank. Well said. Um, up next, we're going to bring up our guest, Brian Attard from the Sports Box, Dallas Cowboys diehard down in uh, southern Jersey there. Brian Coming off a nice win against the Cincinnati Bengals, Cooper Rush, the former Giant and second time as a Cowboy now, mm-hmm. helps Dallas win their first game of the season, 20-17 to 17 over the Bengals. How are you feeling? I mean, you know, you and I had a conversation uh, when Tyron Smith went down, and I said, you know what, we should just tank the year. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to work, but, I mean, you look – I, I don't know what to make of, of this team right now. I mean, there's things that are surprising me to the upside and things that are just really pissing me off to the downside. It's just there's – I guess that's Cowboys football. But, I mean, look, they, that's I, they've, they've played well defensively through two games. You can take some solace in that. Jerry Jones seems to think Dak Prescott's going to be back in, like, you know, three days. I don't think that's necessarily the case. So, you know, um, it, it's just very much up in the air right now. There's a lot of questions in my mind. 
definitely a lot of questions for sure. Um, one question that I think we all have for you is the play of Micah Parsons and what he's been to this uh, organization. Now, obviously, I know, you know, uh, I'm not trying to you've been watching football a little longer than us. That's the way I'll put that. Um, two sacks, five QB hits on Burrow. The comparisons to Lawrence Taylor are starting are starting to come out. And I'm going to ask you as a Cowboys fan. Is it too soon to make these comparisons or do you really see something in this kid that you think validates this? So I I think the answer to both those questions is yes, because I think when you start putting these guys in rarefied air, having played, you know, a season in two games, it's, I mean, mean, that's the nature of sports in modern day. Everyone's always looking for the next Gretzky, then the next Jordan, the next whatever. So Am I surprised? No. Am I happy to see how he's played? Absolutely. You know, when, when that pick was made, I was looking for offensive line help. I was looking at a Rayshon Slater. And then the fact is, you know, they went to a position that they can say they that was the guy they wanted. I think when the corners went off the board, they kind of fell into it. Um, but he's been everything and, and then some. I mean, you can't ask him to have played better than he has. And people saying, oh, that's the best defensive player in football. And like, that's Listen, that's that's a lot. I mean, it's a lot to put on that kid's shoulders, but mm-hmm. he, he's played really, really well. He is he is a weapon. Um, he changes the entire dynamic of that defense because Tom, you know this. I mean, the Cowboys historically, going back even to Tony Romo's years, have been like this. You know, an offense that can put up a lot of points, but that defense could never stop anybody. And mm-hmm. there's people that don't that believe in in Diggs, don't believe in Diggs, whatever. Different conversation, but. I don't think anybody is, is saying anything negative about Micah Parsons, no matter who you are. And I mean, that's a, that is a legitimate center of your defense building block that they can absolutely build around kids. Unbelievable, but he's not Lawrence Taylor. I mean, you have to do a lot for a long time to become Lawrence Taylor. That's just be real. I could see Micah Parsons winning defensive player of the year this year by far, like uh, just, and we're only two games into the season. Mm-hmm. So it's he's very impressive. Wouldn't wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. Especially again, you know, you get the high profile of being in Dallas, and that absolutely that, that does happen. I think the only guy I probably would expect to win it over Micah Parsons would probably be Mr. Donald over in LA. But yeah, nonetheless, there, there's no question Micah Parsons is an absolute beast. And I think one of the other key members of your defense, I would have to. I'm thinking of a member of your secondary. It's got to be Trayvon Diggs. Oof. Well, <laughs> the funny thing about Diggs is like if you look at some of his advanced numbers, like he actually can't cover very well. <laughs> like, I, like, I mean, he's he's got these wonderful turnover numbers, and don't get me wrong, that's fantastic. You please continue to do that, but <laughs> like he's not that great in coverage. Like I go back to the the draft that year, and you know Lamb, and they ended up taking Diggs in the second round, and they were talking about Diggs might have been their guy in the first round had Lamb not been there. So they were thrilled to get him in the second round. That's great. They also led the league in turnovers last year. It's extremely hard to replicate. He had a big year. He hasn't really done – I mean, there was that talk with Jamar Chase. He did a nice job in, in you know, locking you down Jamar Chase. That's great. But I, I need to see more f- f- from Diggs. I mean, again, he's, he's – I'm happy that I have him, but there's more to it than just picking the ball off if it lands in your hands. Definitely. Fair argument. Fair argument. And last time we met at – MetLife last year was the free media soda scam. Yeah. Uh, One of many trying, that I'm trying to block out of my memory. Trying to get uh, Giants fans to fill the seats in quite. How good was that soda though, right? It was rare, right? 
<laughs> yeah, the problem was it was only for season ticket members and only one soda per member of the season ticket clan. So, so, so yeah. stupid. Listen, it's guys, it's a tough economy. You're asking a lot. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what you couldn't just give us like free beers for all the for all the shit we had to endure last year. Yeah. Then again, was, there was ten cent beer night in Cleveland, so that might be ten cent beer night. Oh my god! Don't Google that. It's one of the yeah. craziest. Oh, things. I have. I've seen the videos. <laughs> it was absolutely insane. We should it do it just as a social experiment. Let's way. just mm-hmm. let's just see what happens to MetLife Stadium if they offer ten cent beers. Why not? There is a few content creators we know that will go absolute, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's it's, it's, it's New York. It's got to be at least a dollar. I mean, you got to, you know. Uh, yeah. Technically, New Jersey. Yeah, North Jersey's New York. <laughs> <laughs> uh, South Jersey, North Jersey. To me, it's all the same stuff. I actually have to drive through North Jersey after the show tonight. But anyway, back to the topic at, at hand here. Um, the 2020 season finale, when Andy Dalton started, so you know, there seems to be these redheaded Cowboys quarterbacks. How young we were, Tom. How young we were. <laughs> doesn't seem to do too well against the Giants. Um, was the first win the Giants had against Dallas since 2016. Um, not only that, the Giants haven't been 3-0 since 2009. That was the year we started 5-0, everyone got so excited, and then we finished 8-8. Eight eight. So something's got to give in this game. And I, I guess my first question you know, the Cowboys, they will be without Dak, Pre- uh, Dak Prescott. I know he had some non-throwing work in there today. How do they get it done with Cooper Rush under center? I had no expectations for Cooper Rush. I mean, how can you? It's it's Cooper Rush, right? So, I mean, I, I, I guess the, the definition of a game manager is exactly what he needs to be. Like, you know, don't go out there and be a hero. Don't go, don't go out there and try to, you know – play hero ball and, and, and screw it up. Now, look, and I'm not well-documented. I am not a Dak guy by any stretch of the imagination, but let's be real. Dak Prescott is significantly, you know, leaps and bounds, a better quarterback than, than, than Cooper Rush. And you can see it. You hear all this nonsense now of, of, of Jerry talking about, you know, oh, this needs to be, it could be a quarterback controversy. And I think it's hilarious because it, it, he's just old and senile and he wants the attention like a 16 year old girl. Like that's all he cares about because they can't win. They can't really win the big one, so at least at least he's got that. I mean, if 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 the if the answer to your question is Cooper Rush, then that question's pretty hilarious. So like, <laughs> you need to not rely on him to do anything. I mean, he's there and he's a warm body in a seat, but if it if it comes down to Cooper Rush having to win a game against an actual professional football team, I I don't think that that's a, a advantageous situation. So. I mean, look, he played okay. I mean, against the Bengals, okay. I mean, the Bengals' defense is not going to, you know, overwhelm anybody. Not that many defenses in the league this day, day and age do, but he's he needs to not go out there and, you know, pre- pretend that he's Joe Montana because he's not. Would you have taken Ben DiNucci over Cooper Rush? I, I mean, I <laughs> between that between door number one and door number two, I'll choose death and door number three. Um, between, the, between those three, um, it does again. It's Again, I, I'm a very vocal Dak critic. I do not think he is the guy to get you to a championship. I think he's mm. a guy, and I think that he gets a lot of the adulation and everything else that he gets because he's a quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. It cuts yeah. both ways. Um, again, I if it weren't really up to me, I would have actually preferred more of a veteran 
backup, like a guy who's been somewhere and done something. Andy Dalton. That. But, I mean, how many teams can say, oh, our quarterback's down and we're going to be okay? I mean, really not that many. So I can't right. blame them for that. Well, we have Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, we invested a lot of money was, into that. Guy. I was just going to say, Tyrod Taylor, I think, wouldn't necessarily be a terrible alternative. He's not the best, but he's he's better than what we've Get it done. I mean, as long Four as he's – guys only lost his job because – Keep of him away from the medical staff. Right. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And he's suing yeah. that doctor. Yeah, there's a lawsuit going on right now. But... Who's still employed? Yeah. Yeah. I'm working on Justin Herbert right now. Uh, yeah, that guy's been done dirty a lot. It's a tough labor market. People can't find jobs. We know Sam's a big Justin Herbert fan, but uh, anyway, I love that kid. Yeah, he's great. Um, my first key to the game, and we'll go around the horn here. Make Cooper Rush air it out, right? I think the Giants need to stack the box, stack Ezekiel Elliott. Now I get it, Michael Gallup's coming back, but Leonard Williams isn't going to be able to go in this game. And if Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojalari both play. It'll be both of their first games of the season for Kayvon. It'll be his first game as an NFL pro. Mm -hmm. And Cooper Rush last week, the numbers weren't bad, but they weren't anything eye-popping. I think you have to make him air it out, get in his face. Um, I think it'll be a fun game. I mean, we know Jihad Ward is very capable of stopping the run. Dexter Lawrence, I think those guys will do fine. And granted, um, Brian, I, I have no shame in, say, in saying that Zeke has looked like trash the first two weeks of the season. That just that just means your eyes work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I think making Cooper Rush air it out can really benefit this team. Um, Sam, what's your key to the game? I would definitely have to say, you know, our offensive line has been something that we've been working on for a while. Like they need to step it up in this game they need to make it happen because if you have someone like micah parsons on the other side this cowboys defense is very very good and if they played the way they did this past week against the panthers i mean like brian said there's not too many defenses that are going to make you feel very pressured if if daniel jones can't get the ball down the field if he can't be doing those things that we've been seeing him do like you know in his moments like we're not winning this game whatsoever the offensive line needs to make it happen step up you know, all these guys, not just, you know, not just the rookies, not just Evan Neal. And, you know, it, it's just that's the, that's the piece, because when they're there and they're working, Daniel Jones is working, Saquon's working, we get points on the board. I would have to say that my key to the game would be be careful for whoever starts at tight end. Now, it seems to, I, from what I understand, it seems like Dalton Schultz is not going to be playing in this game and Dalton Schultz has had a history of doing well against the New York Giants. So that's one thing that could go in the Giants favor. However, if you also look at the Giants historically, there've been plenty of other no name tight ends that have come out and burned them. So I would definitely be very wary because, you know, they probably won't have a lot of film on whoever ends up starting in that position. And I would definitely say you got to put – I would think a good a good idea would be to put Julian Love on that tight end because he's been doing well with tackling this year. So I would definitely say watch out for the tight end. But then, of course, I'm also going to go with my obligatory get off the field on third down. I like it. Brian, is Schultz out yet? Do we know? I, I, don't, I don't know specifically. I haven't seen anything concrete either either way. Um, I know he, he obviously left, left the game last week with an injury. I haven't seen anything specifically that he's in or out. And the backups are – 
fourth Jake round. Jake Ferguson, pick. who was a fourth Jake round pick. Ferguson. And then Peyton Hendershot, something like that. Great name. Yeah. Um, who neither of them have caught an NFL pass yet. But historically, that doesn't mean much when it comes to the Giants. And Hank, you mentioned getting off the field on third down. The Giants have the number one third down defense through two weeks, 21, 21.7 conversion rate for the opposition. And the Panthers were just two for 12 on third down last week. And Baker Mayfield had uh, held in just 145 passing yards. But Brian, what really concerns me is you're, I still think you could win this football game. I think your defense is solid. I mean, Micah Parsons, I know there's patches that need to be fixed, but what's your overall take on the Dallas defense and one key for them to beating the Giants? Because I think they could cause us a lot of problems. I, mean, I think if, if you break down the units, that's clearly the strongest unit on either team. You know, And I, I think the key yeah. to the game is, frankly, the same for both teams. It's make the other quarterback beat you. Because, you know, from, from a Cowboy perspective, if they're able to get a lead and make Danny Dimes beat, beat us through the air and let the defense do their thing, you know, Jones has not broken 200 yards passing in a game yet this year. If it, It's really been heavily on Saquon. If Dallas can get a lead, if they can force Jones to throw, that is a recipe for success. And maybe you get that first pick for Diggs and maybe he gets off the Shania to maybe get some confidence going. It's been a really ho-hum start to the year for him. But, you know, def- defensively, they've played for all of the talk. You know, look, you, you're the only team to not score a touchdown week one and all this nonsense, whatever. But defensively, they're, they've allowed 19 and 17 points, respectively, to high-powered offenses led by Tom Brady and Joe Burrow. Like, it's not as if they've, you know, it's not as if they've played uh, Jared Goff in Detroit. You know, like the Eagles are, oh, great RD. Yeah, 35 points against Goff. Great job. But, like, they've actually shut down – really vibrant, high-powered offenses. So you you have to take some solace in that. So you're not built to go out there and score 28, 35 points, maybe the the way you were with a full complement of receivers and a healthy offensive line and actually an actual NFL quarterback. But defensively, you can do some damage. So to me, if they can get out to some sort of lead and force the Giants to throw, which they have not done overly well so far this year, it's only been two games, but his career he hasn't really been that that ideal that is the key to the game you have to have your defense win a game for you the offense has to do just enough it's almost like uh i don't, I don't want to say that the the cowboys or the ravens or anything like that but what i'm saying is it's like that old kind of mentality is i remember one time i think it was when mcnair went to, to baltimore and he said ray lewis said you give us seven if, if you give us 17 points we'll win it's kind of one of those things for the defense. Like if, if if they can shut down the aerial attack, seventeen points might win this game. Mm-hmm. You could argue that that the Giants were able to do that with the Panthers this past week. I mean, the, de- sure. the defense shut down the Panthers. Sure. Graham Gano got four field goals. We won the game. Like they they got one touchdown on the board. So that's definitely I I hundred percent agree with that. Uh, quick shout out Deontay McCohen. He's commenting on the post, not the stream. Says. Let's go, New York Giants. We dominate on Monday night football, and I won't read the rest. Uh, interesting comment there. Thank you very much for that. Um, I don't know, Brian. I might disagree just a little bit about the Jones take. Um, learning a new offensive scheme yet again, and I think the issue for me is the consistency, right? Jones hasn't necessarily had to throw for 200 yards yet in a game this year because of the fact that the Giants have been leading against two teams who are a combined 0-4 through two weeks, I do think he eclipses that this week. But 
I don't necessarily think he's going to have the best game. Uh, I'm just overall, I'm concerned about Dallas's defense. But if I'm Dallas, wouldn't you be concerned a little bit about the offensive line? There's no Tyron Smith. I think Connor McGovern is out <laughs> as well, right? So there's your whole left side wiped out, Brian. I, I am very, 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 very concerned about the offensive line. That's why I told you, you know, that they really, if there was one guy, you asked me this earlier, if there was one guy who I would take off your team in a heartbeat, it is the, and, and people say Barkley, right? That's the easy answer, but I'm not a running back guy. It's Evan Neal. You know, look look at the age on the Cowboys offensive line. And you look at a guy like Neal, 6'8", 337. He's just a monster of a human being, right? And, like, like Tyler Smith is fine, the, the, the first-round pick from this year. I'm not complaining. He's done a really nice job. Thrown into a role maybe he really wasn't necessarily set up to be because of the injuries. Neal's a 15-year left tackle. I mean, he's the second most important player on, on the field, in my opinion, behind right. the quarterback. I love that kid. That would be the exact – thing that the Cowboys are missing right now. You bring up Elliott looking like trash, which he absolutely 150% has. And I think that it's not really much of a surprise to me. You know, there's all this talk of the preseason about, Oh, he's, he's in great shape. This, that, and the third, he's got 52 yards in the first game and 53 in the second. Right. So you're getting paid a lot of money. What I think is happening right now is what has happened his entire career and that he's been, a product of that offensive line. And now with all those injuries, the production isn't there. If Evan Neal got dropped on the Cowboys line, I'm sure that he could get hundred yards because that's, he will have the protection. Mm-hmm. So I think in both cases, like this is, I don't think either team can rely on their offense to win the game with the exception of if Barkley just takes it over, which he absolutely can do. He is that kind of a player. And I think it'll be a very interesting off season to see if they write him the check. Um, you answered my question there with Evan Neal. Um, but yeah, I do agree with I your Zeke him. take. Uh, I, I, Sam, I, I love the Giants draft. I think I told you. Yeah, that. they I did was good. very like, yeah. that, that's exactly what you needed. A pass rusher and a left tackle. What, what Joe Shane. As you should have. And it's something yeah. that we've been screaming about for, I don't know, probably a certain error of previous journal. Suzanne <laughs> yeah. mentioned Sure. We like to have fun here on the show, Brian, and we like to refer to our defense as this, uh, the, <laughs> the new name of our defense, Wink's Funhouse. That's that's what we're going to call it because, I mean, the guy blitzes like an animal. I mean, we saw what he's done the last two weeks, but, I mean, I just think it should be very, very interesting. Um, but moving into more of our players to watch, Sam and Hank, Brian just answered the question, one player he'd steal from the Giants. Who's one player each of you would steal from the Cowboys. Micah Parsons. 100%. That would be that would be my guy. I I'd, I'd pick up Micah Parsons in a heartbeat. He's definitely my player to watch this week. Um kind of to, to tie into my key to the game which was to have a better offensive line with someone like him on the other side of the ball. So, he's going to be a powerhouse, you know, he can take Daniel Jones down no problem. Um he's definitely going to be someone we need to watch and are we are we doing players to watch on the Giants too? Uh you know what? We'll go with the steal first, and then we'll go players to watch. Gotcha. So, yeah, um, so that's my steal. Hank, what's your steal? Well, I mean, I would say Micah Parsons, and prob- that's probably my answer anyways, but I'm just going to be a little different and say Zach Martin just for the sake of <sighs> offensive linemen in years past. And I knew Tom would flip out at me for saying that because I'm saying a Notre Dame player. Yeah, even though he went to that school, you know. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm just I really know. saying anybody. I know. I, I, I know he's a Notre Dame. It was also my pick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, Tom. Go on. But yeah, no, he's a good member of the offensive line. That's been an area that's been a need for the Giants for years. So really, enough said. And as far as um, player to watch in this game, I'm going to go with and. You know, I'm going to stick with the offensive line angle on this for the New York Giants. Andrew Thomas, he has been the pillar of the Giants' offensive line and probably one of the big reasons why our offense has been able to get going at all during these games. And he has not allowed a sack in quite some time. So that's what I'm going with. All right. So, Hank, thank you for that. You jumped the gun just a little bit, but that's okay. Um, My apologies. (laughs) <laughs> My steal was also going to be Zach Martin for this reason. And, you know, I'm not going to change it at this point because I don't want to sound stupid. But um, <laughs> through two weeks, the pressure rate on Daniel Jones has been 49.3% on his dropbacks. That's the most in the league. Jones has still managed to complete 71% of his passes for three touchdowns and just one interception. But you look at what we have up front, Ben Bredesen, John Feliciano, and Mark Lewinsky. The left guard position has been a rotation between – um, ben Bredesen in the third round pick that I do not like. Uh, I did not like that pick, but Josh Azudu. Um, Galinsky's the only one I feel comfortable with. Feliciano's moving from guard to center. He's nice, but uh, he's going to give up pressures here and there. So I think for me, if we had Zach Martin, that would sure up the middle of the line a little bit better, as I'm sure Brian is uh, dreading the fact that he's getting older. So, you know, his window is beginning to close. So. If you really want, you're exactly right. I mean, it, it's kind of weird right now, like the way the Cowboys are. Like they're kind of in like a stealth rebuild. Like I know that they can't come out and say that, right? Because they're the Dallas Cowboys. But if you really like think about it, right? Like so much was made of them moving on from Amari Cooper in the off season and all that. I think anybody who was paying any attention at all knew, and I, you and I have talked about this either on my show or your show, yeah. or whatever. They knew that Cooper was gone going into this season specifically because of the way the contract was, because when they drafted CD lamb, that was your number one guy. Cooper was making what he was making. That was, it was always going to be a divorce coming into this year. And there was this joke going around, you know, the internet, I love the internet, but of the Eagles getting more for Jalen Rager than the, the Cowboys did for Cooper. And such an idiotic point because Cooper came with that heavy contract. that The Cowboys washed their hands off. So it's not as if, you know, they were going to cut him. So it's like it's not like oh they only got a fifth round pick I I don't care if they got you know that right. like they were going to let him go anyway so it well, doesn't really matter it's and I think that that move because of the money it freed up and the fact that they didn't use that money for anything else as a precursor to them moving on from that trash bag in the off season when the contract becomes less punitive to get out of they can't cut them now it's a negative cap it if you do it. At least into next year, it's positive, and then they can use that to pay for it. And they really, what you're going to find out very quickly, uh, you know, when these two teams play, is they were not at all built to sustain an injury to Tyron Smith. They just weren't. So, and I think that when that happened, that put a huge black cloud over the whole season. If you you may not remember, Tom, you might because I think we talked about it. But Tyron Smith missed a game a few years ago when they went into Atlanta, and Adrian Claiborne just teed off on Dak Prescott. He had six sacks by himself that game because they just were not ready. If the Giants can get pass rush, it's a huge – I mean, if can – and Cooper Rush isn't that good to begin with. So if they can make him, like, have no time to find somebody open, yeah, it's the, the, the Giants have a chance to, you know, really – this is going to be a game, I think, won by either defense at the end of that. Yeah. 
So, Sam, I'll get to you here. One player to watch from the Cowboys and then one from the Giants. Um, I would argue that my player to watch would still be Micah Parsons. I'm just going to go defense all around on the Cowboys side just because they are the stronger suit on that team. Um, and I think I kind of said my piece before about him. So I'll just talk about the Giants. Um, Kayvon. Kayvon, 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 Kayvon. If he comes into this game, first game in, a, in the NFL, first game at MetLife, primetime football, division rival, like I'm just – I can just feel the ampness just coming from him, coming from the stadium, coming from everybody. Um, and if he does come in, I feel like he's just going to pop off. I mean, hopefully he does it in a limited type of way so he doesn't get more hurt because we don't want that. We want him to come out and continue to be healthy and play for the rest of the season. Um, but I'm just – my eyes are going to be on him and just to see what he does for our team as a whole. Like, this is a, us seeing him in the colors for the first time, so – He's definitely going to be my Giants player to watch. Love it. Hank, who do you have for Dallas? I know you already mentioned Andrew Thomas for the Giants, but who's your Cowboy? My Giants one obviously has not changed. And yeah, for the Cowboys, I don't really know who else I could say. I like Micah Parsons is a guy who just pretty much speaks for itself. I mean, he's probably the one member that can like take control of the game all by himself. And I think that's probably why I put him and Thomas like hand in hand in that department. I want to, I want to ask the three of you a little Monday morning draft quarterback, knowing what we know now, right. Mm-hmm. Would you have taken Parsons or would you have done what they did? Cause I, cause I love that trade for them. I love that trade for them with the bears. For Justin Fields, right? uh, but knowing again, we got Kadarius that, that year. Yeah. Which I don't know that that's worked out really well to this point, but uh, um, what I'm saying is, it, 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 knowing what you know, if you could if you could turn back time like Cher, would you <laughs> would you take Parsons at that spot and be done? This is why I'm going to say that I can't fully answer that question yet, and this is no BS excuse coming sure. from me, and no. you know that, Brian. Sure. Yeah. Thibodeau hasn't played a snap yet, uh, which granted we picked him fifth, but the pick was seven from Chicago that we wound up getting in return for that yeah. trade down. Mm-hmm. And it was Evan Neal, yep. mm-hmm. um, a player that Dallas had very high on their draft board. Um, I would have done something different at 20. I, I wouldn't have gone receiver at 20, but I like the player Kadarius Tony coming out of Florida because Garth was blowing my ear about him for two, for two months before the draft. So when the giants <laughs> took him, I'm like, all right, you know, I'm not, I, I was I might have been yeah. the only one that didn't have like a knee jerk reaction to it because Garth, thanks to Garth. But um, the thing is, Brian, uh, I yeah, it sucks because Parsons went the pick literally right after us. Um, now, yes, but I can't fully give you an answer for that reason I just said. Fair. Yeah, I would argue the same, but I think that going down was one of the best things that we did because we were able to get both Kayvon and Evan Neal in this draft. And having those back-to-back, basically back-to-back picks anyway, I mean, we weren't even expecting to get Kayvon. We were expecting to get Evan Neal at five. At least that's what I was thinking. Yeah, And, you know, I didn't even know what we were going to do at seven. But what, do I, am I the biggest Kadarius Tony fan? No. Would I like to see more from him? Yes. But... You know, it is what it is. But yeah, it was probably one of the best, one of the best trades that we were able yeah. to do. That and not, not, not to jump Hank here, but 
what you just said is exactly why I love the Giants draft that draft class because they just let the draft come to them. Yeah. They didn't go up there and go try to like, you know, reinvent the wheel. I mean, these were both of those players at one point could have gone first overall. Like if you think back to 100%. like those, those mocks throughout the season, which, you know, mm-hmm. they're worth nothing, but whatever. I mean, the point is that, you know, people in the know thought at certain points throughout the offseason that Evan Neal could go one and Kayvon Thibodeau could go one. So to yeah. get them where, the, I mean, I just, how can you just not love everything that they did in that draft? I mean, that was, you know. It, it, to give you like the re- that, that was the character turn in like a wrestling theme, the wrestling turn, right? Because like, <laughs> like, like the new front office comes in and immediately does something wonderful, and everybody's like, okay, let's go, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. departure from what was there. So, I like that you use the share reference. And look, I'm sure there are a lot of different things I could do for the Giants if I could turn back time, but that's a tangent for another day. And Brian, I'm sure you've probably heard me talk about things I'd do for the Rangers if I'd turn back time. But Quite like, a few things, yes. Oh, yeah, plenty. But as far as I'm concerned, I don't think the draft is necessarily one of them. Now, who they took in the first round, that's another matter entirely. But the fact that they were able to be in, in the position to get Neil and Thibodeau, like, I don't care that Thibodeau hasn't played a game yet. I, I've seen enough film on him, and I've seen enough film on Evan Neal to know that they – are both going to be building blocks for the Giants for years to come. So, unfortunately, you can't necessarily have everything. So, I'm going to say no to, to like, taking Micah Parcel, although that's a very difficult decision. I asked the hard question. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, I, I, I like it's tough, Brian, because now we have Wink, and I don't know if Parsons would be a guy you'd be able to keep long-term with the way sure. Wink pays his linebackers. That's why Blake Martinez got cut. They don't pay them at a high premium. Um, which is why you're seeing like the Tay Crowders and the Austin Calitros and the Micah McFadden's come in and play linebacker. Mm-hmm. But um, Brian, I'll ask you same question I asked Hank and Sam: player to watch for Dallas, player to watch for the Giants. And if, don't feel pressure to go Parsons here because we, we all know that's no, I, the shoe and answer. No, I mean I, I I think I think if the Cowboys get an interception from Trayvon Diggs, they win the game. Like I don't know I don't know if it's like mm. because again I mean that. You have you lived and died by the turnover last year, and you led the league, and it was great. I had not seen a Dallas defense play that well in my adult life, to my recollection. So, if you can get back into the swing of things, if you can start forcing mistakes, you're only going to help the offense that's going that I think is still you can only ask so much. I mean, I don't yeah. care, it's Cooper Rush, like be real, right? So, for, for, for me, like that's one guy that if he can come around. I think that that legitimately could be a turning point in the game. That might change everything. The, my my players to watch on the Giants are the entire wide receiving court because you and I go back, Tom. We talked about this when they signed Kenny Galladay. And I said to you, I said, I don't like it. I don't like it because I don't know if that guy can be an alpha receiver and he's being paid like an alpha receiver. And that that has expectations. And clearly he hasn't played well. Tony, I don't, to my recollection, has not yet gotten a touchdown in his career. I don't think. Okay. No touchdowns in his career. Okay. So if you ever want to break out of something like that, you would love to do it at home because a division rival on, on prime time, right? So that'd mm-hmm. be great. But 
I think for the Giants to hit whatever ceiling they're going to hit this year, and again, I don't think anyone's going to say they're going to be a Super Bowl contender. I think you guys are over the moon with that they've won the first two games. I think it's been forever since they've done that. So great, good stuff. I like what the coach has done there. I have a personal like for Dable because of his Rangers connection. That's off the record. But anyway. Yes, sir. <laughs> if, if you can get these receivers to be functional professional football players, I mean, that opens up everything. Because now if it just feels like Saquon's doing so much, but like it's kind of like one of those things like you know what's coming and you can't stop it. Now have to account for the fact that these receivers aren't terrible. You have to actually plan for them. It's not single coverage. It's not whatever. You, they, they actually might do something. Mm-hmm. That opens it up for him. Like they need that. So for me, it really would not surprise me whatsoever. That's a great storyline. Both of them get touchdowns in this game. And I think that would change the entire rest of the season for the it's, – it's something stupid like that. Like that one yeah. thing like, oh, my God. Mental. It's all confidence. Like once you get it, – right. it, when it rains, it pours. You, you could see them go after that. Again, I still don't think Galladay is an alpha. I think he's a great number two. Mm-hmm. If Tony can become that, you're cooking with gas at that point. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly – did Tony go off against the Saints or the Cowboys last year? I, I don't remember. Was, I think I thought he might go off against the Cowboys, but then he didn't do anything. <laughs> I, I, I think always, it was I'm the game like, prior. I'm, I've been calling for the, the Darius Tony breakout game for yeah. about a year and a half. So. It happened against the Saints, but then after that, he, yeah. he got hurt, as yeah. did everyone else yeah. in that game. I think Barkley sprained his ankle, popped his ankle pretty much on Tony's shin. So that's what was awful about that game. For me, I'm going to go with Michael Gallup. For Dallas, because he's returning from injury. We know the Giants have a load of injuries in the secondary, and let's list them. Cornerback uh, number two, Aaron Robinson, had his appendix removed late last week, did not practice again today, unlikely to play. Nick McLeod, hamstring injury, did not practice. Justin Lane, concussion, did not practice. So, again, you're looking at Cordell Flott, Fabian Moreau, who was signed off of Atlanta, and Noah will tell you all you want to know about Fabian Moreau why he was let go on the street. So the Giants secondary really concerns me in that regard. But what we saw last week was a Dory Jackson was locked down on uh, Robbie Anderson to not get any clearance. And when Cordell Flott was matched up against DJ Moore, it was not very successful. So I think whoever is that wide receiver two for Dallas. And right now it looks like it'll be Gallup, despite how well Noah Brown has played uh, leading the team in receiving yards, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting to see Gallup matched up against that third-round rookie, Cordell Flott. I think that's a very underrated mat- matchup because I'm not going to assume, but with the chance that Dalton Schultz doesn't play, Gallup is that next guy mm-hmm. that Cooper Rush is going to target. Um, especially when you're a quarterback like Cooper Rush, it's easier to target the tight ends and the secondary receivers sure, rather than media, your yeah. prime number one. Yeah, but even – but even from that standpoint, though, like CeeDee yeah. Lamb has been a massive disappointment to me so far this year. And again, you can attribute that to, you know, Dak didn't play well week one. He had Cooper Rush in week two. But, you know, you're supposed to be this guy. Like, you were the reason they got rid of Cooper and this and that. And then you got guys like Noah Brown leading the team and receiving, despite the fact that he's got eight fewer targets across the two games. Like, you know, yeah. like, I hear you on you, that. you're wearing 88 in Dallas, kid. Like, expectations come with that. And you're not, you know, Two years in a row now, like he's been this. Oh, he's the fantasy guy. You got to go get all these touchdowns. Hasn't been there. So, if you are going to be the next guy in that lineage and live up to that, maybe that expectation's too much for him. But I mean, that's what he. 
they had him very high coming out of the draft. Everybody thought it was a slam dunk pick for them. I haven't seen enough to, to know. Not yet. And I should by now. That's what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Like by now in your career, like I, I should see you having relative success on a consistent basis. That's the talent that you have. And I'm not seeing it. Speaking of fantasy, my next player to watch for the Giants is owned in 1.8% of fantasy football leagues. Daniel Jones? Richie James. <laughs> the receiver leads the Giants in receiving as well. Richie James was a bubble player come the preseason. He's dealing with a lot of injuries. He played for San Francisco. He dealt with injuries there, but now he's finally healthy, and look at what he's doing. Perfect slot receiver. Daniel Jones is very comfortable giving him the football, and I think he could cause some problems for Dallas. Uh, Ten catches, 110 yards in two weeks. That's a guy that can roll that middle of the field. I also think you have to consider Tony, since Dallas, you know, you could argue their weakness is Anthony Brown, Jordan Lewis, whoever starts at corner two. Um opposite of Diggs, and then I, I mean just to add one more honor, honorable mention is O'Shane Zimenez the guy who quite frankly could end up feasting against the Dallas left tackle if that's Tyler Smith if it's Terrence Steele on the other side whoever it may be right because somebody's got to start opposite of Thibodeau I mean they're going to rotate they're not giving Thibodeau and Ojolari 50 snaps there's no way they're going to get limited reps, but they're going to play. So I think O'Shane Zimenez could benefit off of that. So those are my players to watch, especially with Leonard Williams not likely to play with that sprained MCL. Um, and receiving-wise, um, back to Richie James for a second, Wondell Robinson did not practice again today with a knee injury. So I think Richie James all becomes that more evident to this football game. But um, – Quickly here, we'll go over some injuries. And, uh, Brian, I don't think any of these are surprising. Um, Dak Dalton did not practice today. Connor McGovern, ankle, likely won't play. Jaron Curse, secondary guy. Parsons is dealing with an illness. Do we know what that is? Do we know what uh, that's about? I'm not aware of that. Now I'm frankly concerned because you mentioned <laughs> Because you mentioned that. Right. Because if it's uh, it's a little COVID thing, he can't play. But uh, hopefully that's not what it is. It seems like it's just a cold. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Although who knows anymore, right? (laughs) Right. So my take here is that Galladay does score a touchdown this week. I can see it. I do. I think he, he has the size and he's going to take advantage I just mentioned if there's one weakness on the down on the Dallas defense, it's the other corner not named Trayvon Diggs. And there's a good chance Diggs could see a lot of Sterling Shepard. So I think Galladay could benefit off of that in the red zone. They need to target him. So I think that's my hot take of the week. Galladay scores a touchdown. It's any, pretty, any, pretty any spicy, Tom. Pretty spicy. Yeah, that's it's like definitely. I think. I actually think both defenses score a touchdown. I could see that too. I, I just this is this is not a quarterback game to me. No, it's not. It's not. Cooper um, Rush v. Daniel Jones, selling like, if, like if, nobody's if, business. If this were like a wrestling card, this would be the match they don't show on TV. Yeah. <laughs> Brian McArdle of From the Stand Sports. I'll be recording my college football show with him and Andy Hopper from the hotel tomorrow up in Connecticut. Shout out to you, Brian. Um, Parsons is suffering from TMSS, too many sacks syndrome. 
Brian's pretty good. Always good very clever, Brian. Line. Brian's been targeting me on Notre Dame, and every time he does, I'm like, you know, you should live up to your last name for once. He just doesn't listen. <laughs> but I don't know. It's 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 rough. But Brian, before we get into our game predictions, anything you want to add on the Cowboys that we should look out for on Sunday? I think we pretty much cover the basis of this team. Yeah. Um. Leighton Van Der Esch, we didn't mention him, Anthony Barr. I mean, those are the only two guys we really didn't talk about. I think Van Der Esch leads the team in tackles, but – About time. Uh, um, no, I mean, I, I, like I yeah. said, I, I think if you like, were – you were Volkswagen. <laughs> yeah, if you were to stack the, the units in this game, I mean, the Cowboys' defense is, I think, the strongest unit of the, of the two teams. And I think if they're going to win the game, that has to be the team – that has to be what leads the way. You're not set up right now for many reasons, but some to injury and some to just lack of talent, to win a game offensively right now. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, it's the, – the defense – for this team to do anything this year, and trust me, I don't think they're doing anything this year, but if they are, it's going to be led – by the playmakers on your defense, like a Parsons, like a Demarcus Lawrence, and like a Trayvon Diggs, different levels of the defense. You need like just huge effort out of those guys. Like you, you, you need to capitalize on whatever mistakes the other team is going to make because your offense is probably going to make a few themselves. So I don't know if we're making a prediction on the game here. I mean, I guess I'll go ahead. I think, that, like I said, I think I think both defenses score a touchdown. Like I think it's one of those. You know, maybe you hear the Benny Hill theme in the background in some of these offensive offensive plays, but um, just so, something tells me it's, it's just going to be a real tight game. I don't know what the line is right now, but something tells me that the Cowboys yeah. defense being the the best unit of the game makes the difference. Give me them, the Cowboys, in like twenty three twenty, but nobody runs away with anything here. Tight game the whole way. I think the line is three and a half. Giants. Okay. There you go. Um, yeah, Giants, Giants are plus three and a half, or they're, mm-hmm. they're favored. It's favored. it's gone up to three and a half. That's the last thing I saw. Okay. Whoa. Yeah. Which which is surprising because I'm I'm thinking the same thing as Brian in terms of my game prediction. I think that this game could literally go either way, Giants or Cowboys. Am I running on an adrenaline high of 2 and 0? Yes, I am. I'm going to pick the Giants, but I think the score is going to be so close, 21 to 20. Um it's it's going to be very very tight and if not even less than that. Um, in terms of scoring, so um, yeah, that's that's my prediction. But I'm running with the I'm running with the two and zero. Why not? We 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 haven't been able to do this on this show yet. I'm feeling real good about it. Hey. You know what? I'm I'm scared because I feel like I'm tempting fate. But you know what? I actually, for some weird reason, I have a good feeling in the Giants this week. Believe it or not, I think it's going to be another very cl- low scoring game. Mine's a little similar to Sam, but I'm going to go. 2319 Giants. 2319. I see what you did there. Yes, any Pixar um, fan would know what I did there. Hank and Sam, if you both notice, I had my game prediction on the script and I took it off. <laughs> I didn't even see it, so yeah. Is it gonna well, be a surprise to me? Did I convince it, you otherwise? <laughs> well, th- this is what you're about to find out, Brian. Brian convinced me. And I'm picking the Cowboys. I don't see the Giants starting 3-0. I don't like the fact that the secondary is torn up. Uh, with Gallup coming back, I think Lamb will have a much better game. Cooper Rush is not awful. I mean, he threw for 230 yards against the Cincinnati Bengals. And we just voiced our concerns of our interior offensive line and Micah Parsons is a stud. 
Mm-hmm. He's a stud that can completely take control of this game. And the luck against the Cowboys has been non-existent with Leonard Williams being out. Both teams are dealing with injuries here. We can say, oh, but they're without Dalton Schultz. Oh, but they're, they don't have Tyron Smith. But the Giants also, they don't have Leonard Williams. That's a huge loss. That's a huge loss. I'll argue that that loss is just as big as Tyron Smith because he's the anchor of that defensive line, right? So I really regret saying this, but I'm going to pick the Cowboys. Um, give me a final score of uh, 20 to 17. Dallas wins. Field goal game. Um, and I'll be honest, Brian. When the show started, I was picking the Giants. But what you said about not just like Micah Parsons, but you know about Daniel Jones, all, all the stuff that it just it didn't seem right. You know, it just didn't seem right for me to pick the Giants here. But don't get me wrong, I think there's a very good shot that they win this football game and improve the three and zero. It's just I had to go a little different here from my two co-hosts. Unfortunately, we're split. Um, Yes, we're it really, split down look, the it, middle. It, it really can go either way. Again, both of these teams, I mean, look, the Giants are 2-0, and and you, you can't be better than 2-0 through two games. But, you know, look, I mean, they've they've played, you know, Ryan Tannehill and Baker Mayfield. I mean, this is this is not, you know, aired out football by any stretch. And, and, and that's the thing. Taking care of business. We were kicking field goals against a weak-ass Panthers defense last week. Dallas's defense is much better. Much better. So, and I also, and I, again, Brian, I, I, I know you feel some type of way towards Mike McCarthy, but I also think McCarthy is at least better than Matt Rule. You know? I mean, if you, yeah, I mean, if you put the bar that low, sure. <laughs> <laughs> not, you're, not, you're not exactly having, you're, you're having me limbo against, a, you know, a pole that's like six feet above my head, you know? Like, I, I had to throw that one in there, but. Uh, yeah, he, nah, and I'm not a McCarthy guy. That's, that's why I no. said, like, I really feel like they're in this like stealth rebuild. They don't want to say they're like not trying to contend because I guess they are, but it just feels like they're headed into an off season to change. I think the running back goes, I think the coach goes. Like, it just feels like they're setting up to make this bit of a semi-overhaul. Yeah. It just, I don't know, like, I, I don't know why my gut tells me that, but it's just everything that they're doing makes me think that that's the direction that they go. Right. Um, but anyway, Brian, uh, anything you want to add here? Um, and, of course, we want to thank you again for joining us tonight. Your time is always much appreciated. Pleasure. And, Pleasure um, is all on this side of the table. If you could also plug the sports box and – what you guys do over there for those who have uh, not seen you yet on our live streams, even though Brian's been coming on for like three years now, almost <laughs> uh, he's one of our top uh, contributors here. Appreciate that. Our live shows. So. Yeah. It's uh, at sports box sports, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's just what we do. You know, we're very, very similar in nature to what review and preview does big, big fans of what this group does. I love to see, love to see their follower count grow. Um, you know, we do a variety of different content. I, every so often we get a funny meme here or there that I, I take full credit for because it's me that makes them. Um, so <laughs> usually if you laugh, you just, Give me a little, little, little high five through the air. Uh, and I also do a Rangers show called Blue Truth, which Hank's been on uh, once or twice or three times. I'm actually doing that tonight at 9 p.m. as the NHL season's getting closer and closer. That little briskness in the air, that means it's hockey season. So you're get, we're getting ready for the puck to drop. But, yeah, well, listen, I, I pleasure pleasure being on. Um, I wish I was happier about things with my football team, but generally they do things I disagree with all the time. So <laughs> you just got to roll with the punches. Hold on a minute. Brian, I forgot to get this thing out for my oh, what you got uh, there? Towel. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> I got <laughs> I got a stack of them over there. I could probably like you know, yeah. yeah. And another thing too, I will say, Brian, thank you so much for everything that uh, you know you do as far as promoting Review and Preview as Absolutely. well. If you're watching Review and Preview, you must watch the Sports Box. They have some very awesome content. Brian, appreciate you again, and uh, hope you have a good one, man. Thank you for your time. All all I ask of you, fine people, is just beat the Eagles, please. I don't want to. <laughs> we'll do our best. Yeah, just you know, I'm 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 with you more than you know in those two games. Could be worse. They could be Flyer fans. Oh wait. If our fans don't exist, I think there might have been a 14 people at the training camp today. And I literally mean about 14 people. All right, Brian, thank you very much. Um, We will catch you on the flip. Uh, Blue Truth, 9 p.m. on the Sports Box and on the Blue Truth Facebook page as well. Let's go, Rangers. Thanks, Brian. All right. Go, Rangers. Thank you, Brian. See ya. That was Brian Attard from the Sports Box. And, um, you know, it's just the more Brian talked throughout that segment, the less confident I feel about this game. Granted, I also bought my tickets for Giants Bears. And I'm like, I can't see this team going four and zero, and they have to win the game that I'm there. Yeah, Brian That's really is the most level headed Cowboys fan I think I've ever encountered in my entire life. He kind of like loots me down a little bit because you know uh, it's just you know you ever ever need somebody to go to for advice, Brian's the guy to go to. So okay. awesome guest, but. I really hope the Giants win. Um, I think there's a really good shot that we win. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to talk about next week. Um, my quick picks pick might be different from what I said on the show. So, you know, just, 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 just a little inconsistency there. But that's okay. The fans don't need to know that. But, Sam and Hank, any final thoughts here before we sign off and enjoy some uh, Thursday night football featuring Mitch Trubisky and Jacoby Brissett? <laughs> um. I'm really stoked for this game. I'm excited to uh, to see the ampness of the stadium again, to see, you know, these excited Giants fans, this excited uh, Giants team. And I think it's going to be a great game either way. You know, whoever ends up winning, I think I think everyone's going to put it all out on the field. Yeah, I agree. This is probably the most I've looked forward to a primetime Giants game in yeah. – Gosh, I can't even remember how long it's been so long. And look, I'm not going to say that I feel confident in picking the Giants, but this is one of those rare times where I'm actually going with my gut and my gut for once is actually picking the Giants. So again, let me just uh, knock on my little wooden desk and see how this works out. But regardless of what happens, you know it's going to be a game where you're not going to feel like too – disappointed should the Giants somehow fall short and one final comment here he steals our draft shows he steals our live shows he does it all the time Brian McArdle says Tom hedging a loss this week so he could witness a win in person is an all-time fan move (laughs) thank you so much Brian I'll see you tomorrow on from the stands Sam and Hank thank you very much for joining here tonight this has been Big Blue Avenue appreciate all the comments if you want to check us out as to what we do throughout the course of the week, here is our social media, Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube, you name it. Make sure to go check out that YouTube channel. We've been posting some really good stuff on there. But, uh, yeah, that covers everything, folks. Have a good night. Enjoy Thursday night football. And without further ado, let's go Big Big Blue. Blue.